Well, hey, everybody. I am bummed that we can't be together. It's crazy that it's just been two weeks, and yet I just miss you all so much, and I, I just have been thinking about even what a normal Sunday's like for me. I, I kind of come early and walk up, and usually Arnie and Jack are out getting the umbrellas set up and other things, and I go in the lobby, and Sandy and other folks are in there making coffee, and uh, Tom's putting some finishing touches on cleaning things, and I walk in the box and see the band, and it just, uh, that kind of sets off what's normally a really great day, one of my favorite days of the week, and then I see you, and we talk, and we greet one another, and I shake hands, and we hug, and we high-five, and all that stuff, and so all of that is just my way of saying, I miss you, and um, I'm sorry we can't be together, and yet I'm really thankful that you took the time to tune into this and to watch this, and I trust that God will use it, and that it'll be encouraging for us. It was 10 years ago on Easter that I was sitting at my dinner table with my family and my parents were in town and uh, we had some other folks over who didn't have family in town and we're sitting there just having our Easter dinner, uh, laughing, talking, and all of a sudden one of the guys at the table says, I think we're having an earthquake. And we were like, what? We're having an earthquake? What do, you, what do you mean we're having an earthquake? We're not having an earthquake. This is from this is Arizona. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm from California, and I can tell we are having an earthquake. And we're like, come on, man, no way. And it's like, really, it's an earthquake. And we start looking, and the chandelier above our table, chandelier is too nice. It's like a light fixture. But it was it was rocking back and forth. We're like, holy cow, maybe this is really. An earthquake, we go out to the backyard and we look at the, the pool and the, the pool is sloshing back and forth and it's like, sure enough, this is an earthquake. The ground was literally moving underneath our feet and it was unsettling. And on the other hand, it was nice to have somebody who'd been through that, who said, hey, this is what it's like and it's not that big of a deal and here's how you do it. What's so different in these days where it feels like the ground is moving under our feet, not literally, but figuratively, is we don't have anybody that knows how this is supposed to go. Nobody's been through this. There aren't leaders who are going, oh, well, last time we had a pandemic like this, here's what we did. And so uh, this is just a challenging time uh, for all of us, and it's a challenging time, and yet it's a time filled with opportunity. I genuinely grieve at the, at the pain, at the loss, at the heartache, at the fear uh, for what's happened and what might be coming ahead. I, I'm, I'm grieved when I think about the loss, when I think about the pain, and I think about what's coming. Uh, that does break my heart. At the same time, I'm rejoicing in the opportunity that I think this will be for us as the people of God. I think this is going to be a season when God uses it to really grow our faith, when God uses it to remind us that, that he's what we really, really need. And so I think this is going to be a key moment for our growth. I also think this is going to be a key moment for our mission as the world around us just sees everything that they used to rely on fall apart. And maybe that's you today. You've kind of tuned in. You don't consider yourself a church person. You aren't part of Redemption Gateway, but you just are kind of looking for some answers in the midst of this. I think that's just going to be a story that happens all over the place, and we can be some people who provide hope in the middle of it. You know, when you hear testimonies of people coming to faith or we do baptisms, you, you often just hear people say, man, my life just got so hard and things started to bottom out and I had questions, I didn't know where to turn and that's when God got a hold of my life. There's actually a woman in our church who's been part of it from the very beginning who part of her faith story is that she came to faith through 9-11 and that kind of sent her into a place of searching and, and on the other end, she treasured Jesus. And I think that there may be hundreds of thousands, I'm praying even millions of people around the world who look back in their faith story and say, it all got started to me 
during that coronavirus thing. And so uh, we're gonna pray that God uses us in a powerful way during this season. And in this season, when it feels like the ground is shifting underneath our feet, we've gotta find some places to stand. We need some firm, steady ground. And where are we gonna ground ourselves? Here's where we're gonna ground ourselves. We are gonna ground ourselves in the Lord. Here's what it says in Psalm 40. David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. David also wrote this in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where the people of God have always turned in times of turbulence is to the Lord who lifts us up out of the miry bog, who protects us and surrounds us even in the valley of the shadow of death. And so we're gonna lean into the Lord and that really launches us into this next series that we're beginning today through the Lord's Prayer. We've put a pause on all the other things we were teaching and doing and we're gonna, for this season, study the Lord's Prayer. It's simple, it's memorable, uh, for many of you who uh, you know, aren't feeling like you're very deep in your faith, you may still know the Lord's Prayer. This is a transferable prayer. It's a great thing to be able to teach kids and to be able to, everything we learn today, you're going to be able to teach kids or grandkids if you're able to connect with them this week. And this is a thorough prayer. In this short little prayer of Jesus, he teaches us some thorough ways to pray about a lot of different things. So that's what we're going to be doing in these coming weeks is looking at the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew 5 through 7, this section of scripture that's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's this manifesto of the kingdom of God. It's Jesus casting his vision for what life is like when he's king. And in the middle of it, in chapter 6, he's confronting some hypocrisy that he sees in the kind of religious norms of the day. There's people who are giving, but they're making a big deal out of it, and they make a big show. And Jesus says, hey, hey, keep giving, but just do it privately. There's people who are praying, and Jesus says, hey, that's great that you're praying, but you're standing on a street corner trying to make a big deal about how prayerful you are. No, 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 don't do that. Pray in private, and the Lord who sees in private, he'll reward you. There are people who are fasting and doing all these things to distort their faces and make sure everyone knew this big announcement that they were fasting, kind of a you know virtue signaling kind of thing back in Jesus' day. And Jesus says, hey, 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 keep fasting, but just do it in private. And so in the middle of all of that stuff, he teaches his disciples how he wants us to pray. And that's what we call the Lord's Prayer. So I want to read this passage. If you have a Bible, you can grab it. You can open up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We'll also put the words of this on the screen. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 uh, and following, here's what Jesus says as he teaches us on prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. I just read the wrong verse. Verse 7. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the beginning of the Lord's prayer. And that's what we're gonna focus on today is that simple phrase, our father in heaven. Four English words, our father in heaven. In heaven. That's going to set the tone for uh, this time together. So let's pray and let's ask God to help us. Father, we do come to you now 
And we thank you that you are our Father, that you love us, and that you're for us. Open our hearts to the truth of your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I want to just break down this passage looking kind of word by word almost. And the first word to look at is that word our. Our Father in heaven. It's interesting that Jesus says our Father not my father. Now, Jesus could have said that we could pray my father because if we are in Christ, we can call God individually our father. But it's just striking that Jesus says, no, 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 when we pray, we pray as a people. We pray as a community. It emphasizes the communal nature of the relationship that we have with God and as his people, uh, we are part of a family called the church. And it's interesting, in, in our world of individualism, Jesus didn't think like that. Even as he faced his greatest trial in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he, the night he was betrayed, what did he do? He went out into that garden to pray, but he didn't go alone. Instead, he grabbed Peter and James and John. He said, hey, come with me. Come pray with me. Come be with me. We need to be in this together. Psalm 34, verse 3 says this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. There's something powerful about exalting the name of God together. It's what we miss about not being able to be physically together. There's, a, there's more power when we're together. And in the midst of not being able to be together, I want to just remind you that at the same time, you're not alone. We live normal, kind of, do you remember normal? Uh, just a week or two ago when things felt kind of normal. And in normal life, uh, you have what people call crowded loneliness. Crowded Loneliness. Isn't that an interesting phrase? You're crowded. You're around people. They're everywhere, but you're all alone. And a lot of people have experienced crowded loneliness. Now in these days, some of you, you're experiencing lonely loneliness. Lonely loneliness. You can't go to work and you can't be around church and you can't be around friends and you're just in a spot where you are feeling alone. And I want to tell you, we are not alone. We together have a father and we are a community that continues to lean on and continues to strengthen one another. We have a father. So here's kind of this first main idea is because God is our father, we will work to stay connected. Because God is our father, we will work to stay connected. Connected. One of the things that we did this week is we asked uh, those of you who have been meeting in community, but virtually through your Zoom calls or Skype calls, we said, hey, if you had a picture of a meeting with your community, would you send it to us? And a number of people did. And so I want to show that to you. And I just love seeing that even in these times when we can't be physically together, uh, you all are doing so much work to try to stay connected. What an opportunity uh, to, to, to keep involved in each other's lives. And so call one another, text one another, email one another, communicate with one another. We have to stay together through this because God is our father. God is our father. That's the next word that we want to emphasize. God is our father. Don't miss how special this is. This is an amazing thing. We get to call God our father. It's interesting, in, in the religion Islam, there are 99 different names for God. A lot of the names for God would be similar to all the different names of God that you see in scripture. But you know what, there, what one name is missing? There are 99 names in Islam for God and not one of them is father. It's normal to see God as big and mighty and supreme and strong 
It's unusual to see God as father, a tender, caring, loving father. Even throughout the Old Testament, most of the time God isn't referred to as father. He is 14 times, but that's a lot of text in the Old Testament to only be referred to as a father 14 times. On the other hand, when you get to the Gospels, Jesus Christ, do you know what his favorite way to talk about God was? You guessed it, father. 165 times Jesus used the word father to describe his relationship with God. It's the the word in Aramaic, which was the language that Jesus would have spoken. Uh, The word father here is is Abba. Abba, it's a term of affection. It's a term of endearment. It's a term that communicates that you're part of a family, that you're part of an inner circle. Sometimes Abba will get explained as though it means daddy, and and it it does in a sense. The, The challenge with that is that daddy is a word that really usually only little kids use, uh, Abba is a word that, that kids and adults would use. May, so maybe the word is more like pop. You know, hey, pop, good to see you, pop. Love you, pop. Where a little kid might say that and a, and a grown-up might say that. But either way, this word is, is saying you're part of the family. You're included. God is our father. Now, as soon as you hear that, I know that there are some of you that uh, you think, gosh, all I have is a bad experience with an earthly father. Like, like you're starting to ruin the image of God for me because I, I, I don't really want a God that's like my father. And here's, here's what I'll tell you. First of all, I'm just so sorry that that's your experience. You're not alone in that. So many people have had that experience. But here, here's what I'll tell you. Even your sense that it's not the way it should be, that, that your father let you down, that you have some sense of what a great father would be, that your father wasn't, even your sense of that shows you that you have some sense of what a great father could be. And I want to tell you that God is that father. He is for you. He is strong. He is caring. He is present. He's protective. Right? Where your earthly father didn't have time for you, God is always available. Where your earthly father didn't protect you, maybe even abused you, God's a God who protects his children. Where your earthly father was scatterbrained and in his own little world, God is for you and he's with you. He's a father. And so I know that that term is difficult for some of us, but, but it's, a, it's a good news term. And it's good news, especially because of how it communicates where we came from. See, before we are children of God, we are slaves to sin. And because of Jesus, we get to move from being slaves of sin to being children of of God. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writes this But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Our status is totally different. We go from being slaves of sin, slaves of selfishness, slaves to the world, to becoming sons of God privileged status. I love this quote by Matt Smethurst. He says this, the gospel changes heaven's courtroom proceedings from a criminal trial to an adoption ceremony. Rather than the courtroom of heaven 
being you're on trial because of the guilt of your sin and your rebellion against God. The good news of the gospel is because of what Jesus did, because of his life and his death and his resurrection, you can go from being on trial to being adopted and welcomed in to his family. Now, it's interesting as you go through the rest of the Lord's Prayer, uh, there's something that, that might strike us as missing uh, from the Lord's Prayer. If you were to go through it, you, you'd say, man, th- there's a way that I always hear people pray and it doesn't seem to be in here. Where, where, where did, what, what happened? And the phrase that seems to be missing from the Lord's Prayer is this phrase, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Right? That's how most of us end most of our prayers, in Jesus' name, Amen. And it's striking that it's not in here. And uh, we notice when it's not around. It's funny, Seth Trout, one of our pastors, when he first came on staff, uh, sometimes when he would pray in Sunday services, he wouldn't always say in Jesus' name. Sometimes he would just say, amen. And he got a number of comments and questions from people who were nervous that maybe God wasn't going to answer our prayer because we didn't say in Jesus' name. And, and the good news is that God doesn't hear us because uh, we say certain words, right? That's what Jesus' point was uh, back in, in verse uh, 7. You know, the Gentiles think they'll be heard because of certain words. That's not how we work. We, we are heard because of our new status, And this phrase, our Father in heaven, this is the in Jesus name of this prayer. Because here's what it's saying. We come to God with the privileges of Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God who has access to the Father. He's not a slave to sin. His relationship with God is not broken. He has full access, and we are granted that access as we come in his name. So when we say our Father in heaven, what we're saying is, Lord, we're coming to you not in our own strength, not in our own goodness. We're coming in the goodness of Jesus. John Calvin, that great theologian, said this, who would break forth into such rashness as to claim for himself the honor of a son of God unless we had been adopted as children of grace in Christ. We have been adopted as children of grace in Christ. And so God is open to us. He's available to us. He's eager to hear from us. So when you're on a conference call maybe this week, like I have been all week and like uh, I probably will be next week and when you're trying to work from home and when you're trying to do Zoom and when you're trying to do different things. And uh, for those of you who have the privilege of being able to keep working and being able to keep working at home, you're gonna have some moments perhaps where your kids come and they try to get in your lap and they try to get involved in the call and they try to, uh, to, to communicate with you. And, and here's what I want to remember next week when this happens to me is I wanna remember, Lord, I have access to you and you don't turn me away. And my kids have confidence that I love them like you love me. And that's why they keep coming to me. And so God, thank you that they're coming to me. Thank you that they think I'm accessible because that's how you are and you always listen. And then I'm gonna send them away. (laughs) And I'm gonna say, you gotta go away. And then I'm gonna think, good thing that God is better than me. Um, and God can handle more things at the same time (laughs) than I can. Um, But that, that sense that God is always available to us. We can't give that to our kids, but God can give that to us. So here's the kind of second big idea related to father is because God is our father in heaven, we will trust that he cares. Because he's our father in heaven, we'll trust that he cares. Now let's look at that third phrase here in this simple prayer, our father in heaven, our father in heaven. 
So if you hear me talk about how accessible God is and how much God loves us and the kind of tender fatherly care, you might think, oh, well, so God's just this big pushover now. Like God, you know, just is going to do kind of whatever people ask. And, and the answer is no, he's not going to do that. He's a good father and he's our father in heaven. What I love about this, this, this in heaven phrase is it communicates that God is still strong and God is still powerful. God is still reigning. God is still ruling. God is not a pushover. He is our father in heaven. It says this in Psalm 115, verse three, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. God does all that he pleases. God sees everything. God knows everything. God is strong. God is not caught off guard. Boy, oh boy, have we all been caught off guard by this whole thing. I mean, in some way, we kind of saw at the beginning of the year that some stuff was going on in China. But for the most part, we've just been all totally caught off guard. I mean, the market went from soaring to crashing fast. The beginning of March, unemployment numbers were almost zero. The end of March, it's going to be a different story. Most of us just did not see this coming, but not God. He saw it coming. He knew it was coming, and he has plans to work in and through it to accomplish his good purposes and to care for us and to form us more into his image. A quote that I've thought about many times over the years by Dr. John Piper, he says this, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. That's an amazing thing to think about. There might be 10,000 things that God is doing in any one person's life, let alone this whole community, let alone this whole state, let alone this whole country, let alone this whole world. There are tens of thousands of things that God is doing, and we might just have access to just a few of them. But I want to tell you that because our Father is in heaven and he does all that he pleases, we can trust him, and we can trust him to powerfully work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I think about people like Joseph who found himself sold into slavery. He was accused falsely and he was forgotten in a prison cell. And at the very same time, God was preparing him to rule a nation. Or think about Ruth who walked through famine. She was far from home. She lost her husband and she was desolate with only a bitter mother-in-law. And at the very same time, God was making her a great-grandmother of a king. Or think about Esther, who was taken into a harem of a foreign king and objectified because of her beauty. And at the very same time, God was preparing her to rescue his people. Think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was a sexually pure, single person, loving God, doing it right, and yet was accused of immorality. And at the very same time, God was preparing her as a blessing to the world beyond what anyone could imagine. Think about Martha. Martha found herself with a dead brother, Lazarus. A dead brother that Jesus loved and that Jesus could have healed. And at the very same time, God was preparing to show his glory by raising Lazarus from the dead. Or think of the apostle Paul, who found himself in prison unjustly. And at the very same time, God was advancing the gospel among the guards. We're going through uncertainty and we're going through pain and we're going through loss and we're going through fear and we're going through anxiety and we're going through all of these things. And at the very same time, our Father is 
in heaven. And we don't know all that he's accomplishing, but we can trust that he is working all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose because he is our father. This week's prayer, this week's part of the Lord's prayer is our father in heaven. Because God is our father in heaven, we will work to stay connected. Because God is our father in heaven, we will trust that he cares. And because God is our father in heaven, we will expect that he will turn it for good. God loves you and God loves us. And we don't know all that he's going to accomplish, but we trust that it is great things. Thanks for being with us today. Let me pray. Our father in heaven. Oh, we thank you that we're together, that we're not alone, that we're connected by the power of the blood of Jesus. We are a new family in Christ. And God, I pray for any who are outside of that family. I pray for any who are alone, any who are feeling isolated, any who are not feeling connected. And God, I pray that we, the family of God, would be able to love and love well. Our Father, We thank you that you care. We thank you that you're for us. We thank you that you pay attention. We thank you that we have the privilege of being children of God rather than slaves of sin. And Father, you are in heaven. You reign and you rule and you are accomplishing good purposes. And we pray that you would do, even through this pain, far more abundantly beyond all that we ask and all that we think. We love you and we have the joy of praying in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week.